Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. You know, coming out and spending time with us, but we, we, our prayers is that you just plant yourself and that you would just allow God to do something in your life. Amen. This morning, I want to minister on the title I have for it is Guard Your House. Guard Your House. In the book of John, chapter 10, John, chapter 10, and it reads this it says, Then John said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may come and have it more abundantly. Pray with me. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning, for this opportunity, God. Father, your presence, Lord God, is welcome here, Lord. Father, we, we just come before you this morning, God, with hearts of gratitude Father, praying, Father, for this service, Lord God, that you would minister to hearts, Lord God. And Lord, that we have an ear that we would hear what you're saying to the church, Father. Lord, I'm grateful and mindful of your presence. I give you the glory, the honor, and all the praise. Amen. Amen. You know, next week, I mean, uh, a little bit on that, the women will be having a, a function here. And uh, I think it's important that if, if you still have a, a, a mother, an aunt, someone who's dear spoken to your life, reach out to them. It's a good opportunity for you to share the love of Christ. I, I had the greatest opportunity to lead my mother to the Lord before she went home to be with God. And, and it's an honor, but you know what, uh, when, uh, when I see, you know, the, the, the children and, and the youth, I mean, and your grandmothers and mothers, man, they're so precious. They are so precious. Amen. The Bible says that an excellent, the husband, you might be the head of the household. You might be the head. But in Proverbs 12, it says that an excellent wife is the crown of the husband. Amen. So honor them. Honor them. John chapter 10. See, here in this passage of scripture, Jesus is making you and I aware of the enemy that you and I have. We have an enemy. And the Bible says that he is, is out to steal, kill, and destroy. So we understand that there is an assignment that the enemy has. In the kingdom of darkness, he has that agenda in to, to attack God's people. So he's there to steal what? He's there to steal your joy, your salvation, and your calling. To kill what? Your dreams, your visions, and your inheritance. And to destroy your destiny and your character. These are all the assignments that the enemy in the kingdom of darkness have against God's people. One person said that the devil wouldn't be attacking you so hard if there wasn't something holy inside of you. 
If you think about it, thieves don't break into an empty house. So if you're feeling the attacks of the enemy, if you're feeling that, that all hell is coming against you, that's a good thing. That's a good thing because there's something holy and precious inside of you that he is attacking. Because thieves don't break into empty houses. If he ain't attacking you, he ain't got nothing for you to, him to steal. So what many Christians don't understand and realize is that the offense, the attacks of the enemy, are one of the devil's greatest tools to rob us of God's blessings in our life. The attacks you could see throughout the pages of the scriptures, if you follow the news in Christian news, you'll see that the church is under attack. The godly values that have been instilled into us that we're trying to impart into our children are under attack. There's laws on the book right now that are coming against the church of, of God's people in these last days. Where they're trying to make things that are abnormal normal and for the people to accept them. But I believe that it is a time for God's people to stand up and say, you know what, we're not going to have that. We're not going to stand for that. We're going to stand for righteousness. We're going to stand for holiness. We're going to stand for godly family values. And then we preach that and we live that. And I say to myself, I said, man, how is so blatant? Because I remember when I was a kid in, in the 80s and, and we were going to church and everybody would be like, man, did you hear that song? If you play it backwards, it talks about the devil. Now it's just out there. You can't, you can't watch the Grammys or the, the music awards or anything. With They're out there performing rituals on stage and they're glorifying it. And God help the Christians who still listen to this music. Because what we're doing is that you're opening a porthole for the enemy to attack your brain. To come into your mindset and to start just spinning you around where you cannot grasp a hold of the things of God. So we need to stand for those, the, the righteous things of God. See, the devil knows that his time is coming. He knows that he's on a time clock. He knows that there is going to be something that is going to happen that is taking place and that the end is near. So he is going to launch his offensives and his attacks even more intense. See, when I was a kid, and if you, some of you could remember here, man, remember the days where you could leave your door unlocked? You could leave your bike on the porch, man. Now, now they'll steal your dog. They'll steal your dog. I saw somebody with a dog. And I was saying, like, that's a dog, a little ugly, but not $50,000, $50,000 for a little smash-nosed dog. And people will steal it. They'll walk into your, your pet store and steal parrots. They'll steal their, they, and you know what? All this stuff takes place. And, and now, so what we do is we, we take great measures to protect ourselves. There's cameras everywhere. There's locks, there's fences are getting higher. You got attack dogs now in your yard. Steal my dog now, see what happens. <laughs> but see, these are the things that we do now to protect ourselves, that we guard ourselves, because we're, we're, we're now at that. Well, no longer, remember when you could stay outside and you didn't have to come in until the street lights turned on? Right? I, I, I know there's a few of us here who still remember that. <laughs> The kids now, you, you don't come inside until you get a text. 
So he's on the offense. That's his, that's his main tool. The word offense comes from the Greek word scandalin. This word describes a trap used to hold bait in order to lure an animal. It's kind of like when you were a kid and you used to get that box and put a stick on it with a string and you would put a little something in there and then when that little rabbit would go in, you'd pull it. That's what that is. And the enemy will use that offense against you to lure you. He'll show you the bait, but what he won't show you is the hook. He won't show you that he'll grab you. He won't show you that he'll, he, he's out to get you and, and, and to lure you in till you're trapped and you're hooked and you can't escape. That's his attack. Offense is the bait the enemy uses to trap us. He will use people, words, and actions to get our minds churning to stir up our emotions. You ever been around that one individual who knows what to say and when to say it just to get a reaction out of you? few of you. It could be a co-worker. It could be a family member. It could be a church member. Why do they have to say, God bless you like that? <laughs> so he will use people. He will use this to lure us into a life of bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, strife, hatred, and revenge. See, those are all the things that I got delivered from. I got delivered from them, and there's still some of those areas that, man, you know what, that God points it out to me through people, through the messages. You know what, Anthony, you still hold on to that a little bit. See, I came, man, growing up, man, I, I was raised, we were raised revenge. Revenge. There was an old proverb, an old Apache proverb that said, Never go to, never let the sun set on you when you could stay up all night and plot your revenge. And we said, like, yeah. So using those tools against the Christian to bring strife amongst the brothers and sisters, to bring a division, to bring, because if he could get us off course and going in the same direction and, and keeping the same mindset and focused on Jesus, then he can, he can divert us. He could scatter us. He could get us to be all fighting amongst each other. And these were some of the areas in, in the early church that Paul had to address. In the Corinthian church, in the Ephesian church, in the, in the Philippians, God had to bring these things to light because the word of God will always bring to surface what needs to be taking place, what needs to be corrected in our life, what needs to be addressed in our life. See, those are the opportunities for you and I to develop and to grow. For you and I to just say, you know what, that's me. One of the hardest things that we have, and I speak for myself and, and some men, is that when we say, that's me. Yep, I still have that. I'm still that man, so I still have that little anger. I still have that little bitterness. I still not talking to my loved one because they still haven't, you know, I remember he scratched my car back in 85. <laughs> so the enemy loves to set us up to get upset. Set us up. He knows our weaknesses, and he plays on those weaknesses. He knows what can push your buttons. You know, growing up, I always knew what upset my younger siblings. I always knew it. 
You know, my, my sister, she had a, a Barbie collection. And I used to just love to just go over there and pop off all the heads and hide them. <laughs> or my brother, you know, we, you know anything. It, cause it, and I, was, I would just do that and just sit back and just watch it all take place. Like, it wasn't me. Why would I do that? That was the immaturity that was there. And see, as adults, sometimes we still have those immature ways that God is trying to bring to the surface and trying to get us to correct. See, there are several things that I want to bring out that the enemy's assignments and how he intends to rob us. The first thing is is your vision. Your vision. See, it is the vision that takes a person to their destination. The vision that God instills in you will take you to your destination. So he knows that if he can blot that, if he could disrupt that, if he could get you to question it, then he knows that he can delay it. The enemy wants to steal your vision to destroy it to the point that you are stagnant and nothing prevails. That you don't go anywhere. You don't grow in things of God. You're still there. You're stagnant. You've been here for six months, one year, and you still struggle in these simple areas that God is trying to deliver you from, things that you have repented from, and the enemy will still bring them to the surface. Oh, it's just one beer. Oh, it's just one this. You know what? No one's going to know. Church on Sunday, party on Saturday. He wants to steal that from you. See, don't believe the devil's lies. That is the best that you will ever be. God has so much in store for you. You just need to accept it. You need to believe it. You need to walk in it. Because some of us come from a background where we weren't always given encouraging words. We weren't always given the the benefit of the doubt to say, you know what, I know where we live. I know we're on this side of the tracks. I understand all that. But you could be better. You could go to school. You could get that college education. You know, I always try to instill into my children, don't ever let anyone tell you who you are. You show them who you are. I remember when my youngest daughter, she was in, in, uh, in, in uh, continuation school. And I remember they didn't want her to, to uh, graduate there. She wasn't keeping up with her assignments. And I remember they called me into the office and said, you know what, we don't need her here. I said, give her one more chance. And I had a good talk with her. And she graduated from high school. Then she went on to Cypress College and graduated from Cypress College. And two years ago, she got her bachelor's degree from Cal State Long Beach. And just recently, she applied to the master's program at USC. So anytime you can instill into your children, speak into them. Let them know, you know, and over the pulpit, pastor's giving you a message telling you, know, you could be the man of God God has called you to be. You could be the mother that God has called you to be, the father that God has called you to be. See, sometimes you just need to grasp it and say, yes, I received that God for me. Message comes across and sometimes you're looking at to see who's receiving it. It's for you and me. It's for you and me. I say, you know what, God, let me grasp a hold of that. Let me just bring that and take that to heart. When you read the Proverbs, Solomon is giving instruction to his son. Take these things to heart. These were instructions that would benefit you and I. So your vision is one of his assignments. We know, 
In Jeremiah 29, 11, the promise that God has given us. It's on your refrigerator. It's in your, highlighted in your Bible. You even have a Bible marker that says it. For I know the thoughts. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. See, before Jesus, all we had was a wish. All we had was an idea of how we wanted things to go. But here in this promise, he says, look, this is, the, this is what I have in store for you. I think of you. You are a thought to me where I could think of it and all see all the benefits. See, God is the author and the finisher of our salvation. So he knows where you started. He knows where you came from. He knows your failures. He knows your future failures. But he also sees the outcome. I've seen some of those that have come in here and, man, just beat down. But they stood long enough for God to do the work that he's doing in your life. And they're thriving for it. You're owning businesses now. You're married now. You're thriving. Your marriage is doing good. You have ministry. God has given you and blessed you with a good job. You see, those are the benefits of standing for God. Where you say, you know what, God, I'm going to receive what you have to give me. I'm going to receive those promises. I, I want the hope. I want the peace. Because you're going to give me a future and a hope. Praise God for that. See, we as Christians need to start. We as Christians need to start practicing resisting the devil. Resisting the devil and start locking the doors and the windows to your hearts. Sometimes we just leave things open where the enemy just comes in. You need to be mindful. As a father... I wake up 2 in the morning and I go check all my doors again. It's just routine. If I hear my dog bark, I got to get up and go look. Look at the cameras, see who's outside. You got to be mindful of what is taking place around you. As a Christian, you need to guard the heart. You need to allow God and nothing but the things of God come into your house. Cannot come in. James 4, 7 says this, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The problem is, is that sometimes they're not being resisted. You're not resisting the devil. You're just walking hand in hand. You can't walk hand in hand with God and still hold hands with, with the devil. You can't. It's too hard. It's too hard. Start by establishing God's presence in your life. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And only then will he flee. Establish his presence in your homes. Pastor Fernando used to say this one thing that I always loved. He says, you have to have a no vacancy sign in your house. No, no occupancy. This house belongs to God. We serve God in this house and nothing is allowed in this house. There's no vacancy. I got time for games. I ain't got time for wishy-washy Christianity. I ain't got time to play the both sides of the fence. We're serving Jesus in this house. We're serving God. We're standing for God. When you start to resist the devil, he will flee. When those opportunities come up for you to be pulled back into the world, you will stand because you are resisting him and standing and submitting to God. Turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verse 27. 
I like this scripture. It says, no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. See, Christians, people who stand for God, I'm not talking about churchgoers. I'm talking about Christians. Need to make a stand and kick the devil out of your house. Kick him out. Back in the day, we used to have an old thing. We used to call it a goodbye devil party. You remember? Phil brought all his oldies. Bring all your oldies and all these things that we still hold on to. Just in case this Christianity thing doesn't work out. You already set yourself up for future failure. When you are saying this house serves God, you clean it. You clean that house out. There is nothing in this house that I don't want to just remind me of the world, take me back to the world. You know what, your old tequila collection on the wall right there? Got to go. It's got to go. But they're worth a lot of money. I know they are. I had them too. And they all went the day after I got saved. Day after I got saved, I took all those bottles and I poured them all down. And I got a call that afternoon. Please tell me you didn't throw them away. The unsaved family members. Please tell me you didn't throw that Don Julio 1942 $400 bottle of tequila away. It's gone. So we see, bye devil. Say it, bye devil. See, he won't camp out where he's not comfortable. He will not camp out where he's not comfortable. You ever show up to a, a luncheon or a, a meeting or whatnot and you make unsafe people uncomfortable? Because of what's inside of you. Who's inside of you is not comfortable, or who's inside of them is not comfortable with who's inside you. And you might get sarcasm, you might get a little snide remark, or you might get a little uh, nonsense thrown your way. It's okay, shake it off. Shake it off. Just say it to yourself it's not them, it's, it's who's inside them. It's who's inside them. A person who lacks vision is an individual who has yet to see themselves as God sees them, a person of worth. The person who lacks vision does not see themselves how God sees them. See, God sees the full potential in you. God sees who you are going to be. But you don't see it yourself. Sometimes the enemy likes to remind you of the nonsense that you did before you came to Christ. What you need to do is remind him is that you've been saved, washed in the blood. That you're no longer that individual. That you're a new person in Christ. That you know what? God has given me a new heart, a new vision. The second thing that he will go after is your purpose. Your purpose. Whether you know it or not, God has a special purpose for your life. A calling. He wants you and I to know to pursue it. Your purpose gives our life definition and meaning 
The enemy wants to steal your purpose because he knows that a life with no purpose becomes worthless. It becomes worthless. In Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely poverty. See, God wants to enrich you. God wants to bless you. There's so much that God wants for you, but you don't want it for yourself just yet. Where you need to say, you know what, God, I want it. I want what you have for me. But there has to be an exchange. There has to be an exchange where you give God what he's trying to take from you, and he will give you even better. He will give you even better. One person said this is, if you want to achieve the, the life God imagined for you, it's important that you see goals, set goals for yourself, actively move towards those goals. You need to set goals for yourself where you say, you know what, God, I've been serving you now for six months. I want to learn more. I want to get more involved. I want to be part of the Bible study. I want to serve you in your house. I want to grow in the things of God. Set small goals for yourself. If you got saved on Thursday and you said on Friday, I want to preach on Sunday, that's, that's a goal. It's, it's kind of out there. But keep it a goal. The definition is the object of a person's admission or effort or an aim at a desired result. See, getting those goals and staying focused on those goals. And don't let anything divert you from that. Because all of us here have a purpose. We all have, a, we all have something that is important to us. Some of it is our family, it's our jobs, whatever it may be. But you have a purpose. And you have small goals that you set for that. If you're, if you're in a, a supervisional, uh, uh, in, your, in your job as far as a title, you, you're, you're accountable for the production of that company. You're accountable. So when, when you set a goal for yourself, you have a team. And you and I as Christians, we say, you know what, God, I need to start, I need to start being a good steward of the things that you've entrusted me with, my time. So the time, so would you say, you know what, instead of watching, instead of watching uh, Netflix for five hours, I'm going to shut it off at one, pray for two, or study, do these things, and you start to make just goals that you, you know that you could keep. See, you could get lost. Who here has ever got lost in Netflix or something? And before you know it, you, you, you like binge watch the whole two series. Like, where did the time go? And see, it's so easy to get caught up in these things. And it takes us away from the things of God. Before you know, you say, oh, man, I'll just get up early tomorrow and pray. And that doesn't happen. And then the enemy hounds you on that. And then you start to say, you just start to feel beat down. And then when you want to walk into the house of God and be part of everything that's going, the enemy's like, man, don't even lift your hands up, fool. You didn't even pray this morning. And you start to feel it. And it starts to affect your mind. It starts to affect your, well, how you're taking the service and the presence of God is not penetrating you. So you can draw closer towards the realization of your dreams as if you set small goals. See, oftentimes we are afraid to dream. How many here 
God has spoken to you, shown you, or given you a glimpse of what he has in store for you. And sometimes it's like, man, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if it's even attainable. I'm not that person. I'm not, you know, versed that well, or I'm not that very good at speaking in front of crowds, I, I, you know. And what happens is, is we start to squash those dreams and we start to push them aside. And we get afraid to dream. One person said, if you can't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. So sometimes when you get this vision of what God wants to do in your life, write it down. I make notes. I make notes. And sometimes as I'm scrolling through my phone, I'll look at a note and I'll see something that I wrote a year ago, six months ago. And then I'm just reminded of what, that, what needs to be done to, for that to take place. So dream it and go after it. And avoid dream killers. Dream killers. People who don't have the vision that you have. You can't go to someone who doesn't know the things of God and tell them what God has shown you because they won't understand it. They won't. Be equally yoked with somebody who's going to teach you, somebody who you want to pattern yourself after, someone who you say, you know what, I, I, I love how that person, how their, their character, their, how their walk is with God. I want to be like that individual. And you know what? Not, not all of us came into the things and it was so natural. Some of us wrestled. I wrestled with a lot of things that God was trying to pull out of me because I felt I still needed to hold on to those things. I said, man, I, I'm going to need that one day because someone's going to get crazy and I can't just be all slap me on the other cheek too. No. God says, you know what? Be humble. Be humble. There's been, and you know what? And when you say these things and you pray for these things, God is going to put you in positions and opportunities for you to exercise that. You pray for strength, God's going to give, put you in a position for you to exercise that strength. You pray for humility, God's going to put you in a position for you to ex exert that humility. And God knows what happens when you pray for patience. Right? <laughs> See, one of the things that we must understand is that we all know dream killers. Remember this, the story of the ten spies? All it took was eight of them to convince the whole region that, you know what, it's not attainable. But there was two. See, when you start getting the feedback that, no, it's not, that's not you. No, you can't do that. That's where you need to answer out loud. Say, yes, but he is. Yes, he is. I can't do it, but God can. I can't, I can't reach that nation, but God can. I can't speak, but God, you could give me the words. God, I can't do it on my own strength, but I know you could. I've learned how to, how to rely on the strength of God. With Anthony, man, I'll mess it all up, but God, if your hand is on it, God, I know that it's going to come through because I can do all things. When Paul was making that, that statement, he could do all things through Christ, he was also telling you all the things that he endured to say that. See, some of you here this morning are going through some very tough times. 
And the other day I was just looking, we have an olive tree in the backyard. And I remember I grabbed an olive and I squeezed it. And there was nothing but mush. But then I was listening to this message and this pastor said this. He says, how do we get olive oil? He says, you take the olives and they have to be crushed. See, some of you are in a crushing state right now. Some of you are in a crushing state where right now God is getting ready to release that anointing oil in your life. That God is ready to take you to that breakthrough. That those prayers that you've been praying for, that God is ready to reveal them to you. That God is getting ready to open that door that's been closed for so long. That you have stood the test of time and you said, God, I've been faithful. And God has honored that. And God is going to bless you and God is going to open that door. God is going to restore your marriage to where it once was. Where the enemy tried to come in and destroy it, God says, I'm going to bless it and I'm going to anoint it. And people will see and give glory to him because of the testimony that you withstood it. So you need to say to yourself, the other day we were, I was just sitting there and I just started to well up in tears because I said, God, if that what needs to take place, crush me, God. Because I need you, God. I cannot do it on my own, God. I cannot. I could fake it, but God, I know that there's only an amount that I could do on my own strength. God, I need your hand. I need you to guide me. I need you to just to direct me because there's sometimes I just don't want to do the will of God. I'll be truthful with you because it doesn't seem that it's attainable. I say, God, are you sure me? Come on, God. There's several other men that I, would, I could say that could do this task. But God says, no, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Shortly after, I started to say, you know what, God, things started happening. I lost sensation in my, the left side of my leg. And you see me walking around with a cane. Trust me, trust me. I was nothing. I, man, I, I remember my wife said, Anthony, you're going to have to do it. It's going it's to take some humbleness in you to walk with a cane. And I said, you know what, God, what is it that you're showing me? And I remember I heard another message where the person said, you know, instead of asking God why, say, God, what are you trying to show me here? What is it you're trying to teach me in this, God, in this lesson, in this season, God? All that, all that we've gone through as a church, look at what has developed out of it. Man, we went through some very tough times the last couple years. We lost some beautiful, beautiful saints, beautiful people of God. But we know... We know that where they are. And we know what God has in store for this church. This church is going to thrive. This church is going to grow. And be surprised what God is going to start raising up men and women to do the things of God in the house of God. God has a plan and a future for you. Just grab a hold of it and say, yes, God, that's me. God, do what you need to do in my life to get me to that place. Next, the enemy wants to steal your voice. Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, it says the tongue has the power of life and death. So if he could get you to speak negativity, he wins. As Christians, we need to start speaking life. Life. I'm not going to stay here. God, you have something better. God, I'm not going to settle for that relationship that's not going anywhere and it's taking me away from you, God. You have someone in store for me. 
God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful, God. God, I'm going to speak life over my finances, over my health. That report says one thing, God, but you have the final answer. God, whatever they tell me, God, I know that you have something in store for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand on this rock. I am going to believe your word, and I'm going to thrive. I'm going to press forward. And when I don't feel it, God, I'm going to press forward even more. And when that devil tells me that I, I'm out of bounds, that I'm this, I'm an annoying to the neighbors, I'm this, that God, devil, that's when you say, you know, you missed with the wrong family, you missed with the wrong household, because I'm going to get it even a little bit more louder. I'm going to get a little bit more crazier. I'm going to get a little bit more radical. I'm going to start telling people about Jesus. And when you start to come against the darkness, when you start to come against the, the enemy in the kingdom of darkness, all hell will break loose. But guess what? You have an army of God that stands behind you. You have the army that says, you know what? You can do all things through Christ. You need to press forward. Accept it. My family's going to get saved. My husband's going to get saved. God, it's so beautiful when you see the things of God. Man, when I see people of God blessed, man, it is so beautiful. So beautiful. I don't want to have enough time to go over the last two. I'll save that for another time. But I just want to just encourage us, because I have to encourage myself sometimes. Sometimes, man, you just start to, you have a, a, a bad day, and it turns into a worse day, and then the enemy says, Phew, you want to serve God? And you just have to sit there and sometimes just shake your head and just be still. Don't say nothing sometimes, just... God, whatever you need to do, God. That's all. That's all. You know, this morning, you haven't asked God into your life yet. You figure, man, you know what, I'll just go to church. I'll leave. I'll come next Sunday maybe. If I have time. When you make God a priority and not an option... God will bless you. He'll bless you. When you put Jesus first, you'll never be last. Never. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Anthony, I don't know the Lord. Or maybe you came to Christ once and you walked away and things haven't been the same and you're trying to find your way back, but you just, you feel that pull. You feel that pull. If that's you here this morning, I'm going to say a prayer as we all stand. As we all stand, and I'm going to say a prayer. If that's you here this morning, as the worship team makes its way up, because right afterwards we're going to do communion. I would just like you to acknowledge. You know, when Jesus called someone to salvation and someone to follow him, he always did it in the daytime. Because there's something powerful when you admit and confess that, yeah, that's me. That's me. If that's you this morning and you say, you know what, I'm backslidden, I'm away from God, I'm a prodigal, you know what, I want to come back to the Lord, I just want you to raise your hand and put it down. God sees that hand. Anybody else? All you're doing is saying, you know what, God? I admit it. 
I admit it. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, I'm going to say a prayer. And if you say this prayer and mean it in your heart, the Bible says that you shall be saved. Confess with your mouth, believe within your heart. Father, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins and wash me in your blood. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead and that right now you sit at the right hand of the Father and intercede for me. Help me to stand for you and to live for you. My life is not my own. I surrender it to you. I say this prayer in your blessed name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.